0: everybody and welcome along to another episode of X-Files Talk X-Files, the only podcast that was foolish enough to watch Tempest Fugit before getting on a plane in a couple of days. Although, to be honest, I'm a little bit more concerned about some comments I made about the TSA in a previous podcast. Hopefully they haven't heard it. I am your host, David Harwood. And I am broadcasting here today with Holly Simon and Trish Silver from xfilesnews.com. Hi Holly, hi Trish, how are you both doing today?
1: Hello. Pretty good. good.
0: Excellent. Today we are talking um, the final sort of third of season four, so we have some really great episodes to talk about today. We're doing Tempest Fugit all the way through to Demons. We were going to do Gethsemane as well, but we decided we're going to hold that over and discuss that three-part story in next week's episode. So let's get uh, right in there with um, the two-parter that kicks us off tonight, Tempest, Fugit* and *Max*. So this episode, these two episodes—they're not even—it's not even TV. This is a movie, and you know, rewatching this, it's just struck you how slick these two episodes are the production values you know i mean x-files production values are always you know a cut above everything else on tv but these two episodes just take it to another level it is and watching them back to back it really is just like you're watching a movie and these two episodes even though they are mythology they don't they don't really gel that well with a lot of the other mythology episodes there's you know a cover up going on here but there's no cigarette smoking man involved there's none of the real recurring characters are involved in these two stories um apart from exactly but it it really is from you know it's a mythology story and um uh, it's just on a huge huge scale and Maybe they maybe they're getting ready to start, you know, running there with fight the future. But uh, these two episodes are just something else,
2: you know. <laughs> yeah, they're fantastic, and and Max, uh, it's, it, it's such a great loss at the end of the the episode when at the next episode when he dies. It's 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 like you, even though he wasn't in that many episodes in the X Files, you feel like you lost such. An important and uh, livid character in the story
0: yeah and apparently they'd wanted to bring him back you know or they'd had plans to bring him back for a quite a while before they actually got around to doing this two-parter so
2: yeah
0: and i particularly like the guy who's running the the uh, crash scene investigation you know he's only in these two episodes but yeah,
2: he's with, really good, yeah with the
0: absence of the normal mythology characters you know he is able to sort of step up and sort of take a bit more of the spotlight and he just has such an interesting arc throughout these two episodes that when you first see him you know he's addressing his room of investigators and multiple course comes in and makes these comments about well one of the passengers on this plane was a known alien abductee, and he kind of makes some sort of joke about star trek but then, yeah. as the episodes progress, he becomes more and more open when he sees the evidence. And, you know, he's just going from the evidence, going straight to Mulder. And he's not even sort of questioning the logic behind it or the, uh, you know, could this actually be real at all? He just sort of sees the right. evidence. And that's what it looks like. It fits what Mulder was saying. And so he's extraordinarily open with that.
2: Yeah, and- it's, it's, Funny to watch how fast he he jumps on Mulder's boat about this because he well, when they first meet they're just he's like you know he's like you're crazy that that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard and then and the he's were, like overwhelmed with all this evidence and well, yeah, it's I so fast how he heard. I like that I like that a lot because like it you can compare that to Scully like. She, she's, by now, she's been in the X-Files for four plus years. Yeah, this
0: guy, two episodes. (laughs) There's
2: so much that she's already seen, even though, like, she has a scientific explanation about everything, but she's seen so much, too, that she hasn't been able to explain. And then this guy, like, two episodes in, and he's like, oh, yeah, I believe you. just like that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Harley, what are you going to say?
2: Well, that's about it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: um yeah it's kind of strange that you know you have this whole sort of cover-up thing that's going on and you know the cigarette smoking man the syndicate is not involved in that cover-up i mean presumably he's or his organization is somewhere you know behind the curtains
1: right
0: you know orchestrating all this stuff with the military and it's just quite interesting to see it kind of feels not just because max is back but because of the absence of all of that um, normal features of a mythology episode that we expect at this point, in the absence of that, it kind of feels like a season one story that there aren't any obvious antagonists there. You know, mm-hmm. there's obviously some guys who are covering stuff up and we know who they are and, you know, we can see that they're shady, but yeah, we don't get the impression that Mulder and Scully are just being played and that they're up against the same people that they're always up against in this one. So it's right. kind of refreshing in that way. It takes it back to season one and, you I know, ma- maybe that was something that they were playing with, you know, story-wise looking to the movie really, as well. Re-
1: really? It's a simpler version that goes back to a simpler time.
0: It yeah. really does. It really does. And, you know, you have Mulder doing his usual thing of ditching Scully so he can go diving.
2: Right. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that scene when, he, he's diving and he finds the UFO, and the alien, but he mentions the UFO all the time, but he never says anything about the alien. And then like every other time after that, when he supposedly sees an alien or looks for one, he, he never brings back to this one. He never mentions that he actually saw one, because he did.
0: Maybe he was just in a state of shock. <laughs>
2: Maybe, yeah. <laughs> You
0: know, this thing that he's been looking for all his life, he finally sees it, and then yeah, he, he actually just naturally he forgets
2: it. it. That's, like, one of the the, the the things that... It doesn't upset me or make me mad or anything, but it's just, like, I wish they would have gone a little bit more into that. But I guess, you know, like, he was in shock because that was the first time he ever saw it. anything, like, he's ever saw one up close like that. But then by the end of the season, he's just... He, I, I guess... The other reason why he never really talks about it is because by the end of the season, he's just thinking that it's the, ho- the whole thing is a hoax anyway. He didn't so. believe his eyes. <laughs> oh. Um, Sad part about this
1: episode here, Max, uh, I mean they killed off Agent Pendrel. That's pretty sad.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's so sad. Like, you don't, we don't get to see much of him, and then when you finally do, they just kill him all. Yeah.
1: I don't know, they should have kept them around. <laughs> I know and he's
0: been bumbling away trying to awkwardly strike up conversation with Scully all this time you know he finally gets a little bit of courage courtesy of some birthday girl drinks and uh, he gets shot down
2: (laughs) (laughs) He he can finally say something to her because he's drunk so he he's just there and then he's gone it's sad
0: Yes, indeed. Of course, we have the um, the Apollo Eleven keychain,
2: oh, yeah. which
0: Mulder gives her as a birthday present. Apparently, I uh, really love
2: it. Too. What Scully says at the end—it's just—it's, I think, it's very fitting.
0: Yes. Yeah, and um, apparently on the DVDs, right, I didn't realize this. I haven't tested it, but I found out today that. Apparently on the DVDs, if you select the English um, closed captions when you're watching Tempest Fugit* on the DVD, instead yeah. of the X-Files theme tune over the opening credits, they sing Happy Birthday, Dana. Oh, wow. I don't know if that's true. It's something I, I saw that. online.
2: I'm going to have to so put the DVDs in after It, it this needs to be that.
0: validated.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to check that. Is that with a commentary or just... Just a
0: caption on. I think if you, uh, what I saw it said, if you just select the English captions,
2: okay,
0: that it changes the audio somehow. But I don't, I don't know.
2: That's funny. Is there
0: anything about these two episodes that we haven't sort of touched on? I know there's so much that that goes on in these episodes with the military involvement. You know the. um,
2: I really love the. Yeah. the crash scenes the, it, and just like you said in the beginning, this, this is like a movie. and when you when you get the beginning of the, the episode with the crash and the aerial shots, they are phenomenal with all the body bags it's kind of like a, it's a dark few it's, it, it, it comes back to that um, that topic that we were talking about last week about the about gender list because it's it, it, and, and in this case it's not the red, it's the yellow of the body bags and yeah. you get like the aerial shots and you see nothing but that the crash side is so dark and grey and humid and ugly and then you see all of the body bags and it's really bright yellow. It's I, I love what they did with that it's it's brilliant.
0: Yeah it's a good use of color there Yeah, you know, stark black and white almost and uh, there's just some great shots in that bit as well where Mulder and Scully are walking through that wreckage and the camera's yeah. just sort of tracking them from behind these trees and it, it, I mean it, everything about this two-parter is just elevated beyond mm-hmm. you know everything else especially now seeing it on Netflix it, on widescreen in high definition it, it looks even better than you've seen it yeah. before it really Oh really absolutely does.
2: I agree I would have to absolutely agree with that I'm so glad that they decided to put all of these episodes on HD and I I was talking to somebody else about this before and it's like when you when you rewatch the series in HD on Netflix it's it's like you're watching it for the first time all over again because you see all these things that you never paid attention before and it's like all brand new things that you never you never saw all these different angles and, and it's it's I love it. It's great. I think it's it's a really
0: good thing that they did that. Yeah, I mean, you can you can really see with Tempest Fugit and Max, you know, just because yeah. it is so cinematic anyway. But yeah. you know, at the final episode that we're going to talk about later on, Demons, you know, you kind of have the old, very grainy sort of, you know, Super Eight or VHS kind of shots yeah. in that when you go into Mulder's memory, and then that's contrasted with the HD, and everything about that just really pops we know in high definition as well. So these two episodes are are some really good ones to look at when you want to explain to somebody what the benefits of HD are and and CNX files in widescreen.
2: Uh, Yeah.
0: All right. The second, well, the, the third episode that we're going to talk about tonight is Synchrony, which is not an episode I revisit frequently. But it's one that's always sort of stood out in my mind as a good episode from season four. And I think the thing that I really like about this episode is it is just the perfect example of the limitless possibilities of storytelling when it comes to X-Files. You know, we've we've had all sorts of different monsters. We've had all sorts of different mutants that have to eat livers or cancer or something to survive. But this is the first episode that goes really deep into um, more sort of sci-fi kind of territory. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, they've been trying to figure out a way of telling a, a time travel story using the X-Files for quite some time. And they finally came up with this idea that it's, you know, it's not going to be about a time machine or, or anything like that. It's going to be something off of atomic sort of science That's how people get to travel through time. And of course, the story that we work with here is on a small scale. It's the guy who invented time travel going back and trying to stop it from ever being invented. And even though it's dealing with time travel, there's only really that one scene where they are uh, leaving his apartment or leaving the old man's apartment who's come back from the future and they sort of look Discussing this photo And Mulder says um, Maybe it's a celebration That mm-hmm. hasn't even happened yet And they sort of yeah. have A brief sort of Discussion there About time travel And Scully rolls her eyes And all of that <laughs> But other than that oh. It's kind of tra- It's kind of treated As a straightforward Sort of Crime Story Even though it yeah. is About time travel And it's A very ex file way To sort of touch on that Very sci-fi concept Mm-hmm That's
2: true I, I love that they they explored like a more kind of more like classic basic sci-fi theme on this because you know like the, the X-Files is not that sci-fi it's it, it's more of a dark show more than anything else it's, you can't really Classified as straight up sci-fi. Well, no, so everything about it, it is
0: grounded that. in reality, is grounded yeah. in science, so that's the way they had to go. It's no, no. Yeah.
1: I think the proper term should be pseudo science fiction.
0: Okay, let's go with that. <laughs> what do you think of this episode, Holly?
1: Um, uh, to be honest, I don't quite remember it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's not. It's, like you said. It's, it's not time, I guess I visit much.
0: No, I mean, it, it's, I suppose it's memorable. There's a couple of, it's, it's memorable just because of the, what the story is that it, that it deals with time travel. And there's a couple of, you know, moments in there visually um, where the guy gets his hand frozen and all turns to ice. Um, yeah. But, you know, even what, re-watching it um, for this podcast, you know, they're trying to bring the person back to life who's been frozen and his body overheats. He comes back to life, but his body overheats and then he bursts into flames. In like and,
2: and I completely Hold
0: forgotten that, that he bursts into flames because it seemed like such a cliche kind of way for him to die after he'd been frozen to death previously. But, uh, but yeah, there's, there's some good bits in the episode, you know, and knowing what it is that it is about time travel you know it kind of seems a little bit like it's hitting you over the head sometimes like even just the intro teaser where the old guy is talking to these two college students and sort of saying this guy's going to get hit by a bus at exactly eleven yeah. forty-six p.m and, and and then it happens and and all this stuff but i was watching it with my wife and she's watched this episode once one time before years ago And she didn't remember it at all. So she was still guessing about halfway into the episode before that, just until just before they found that picture, that that's what the deal was, that this guy was back from the future trying to kill his younger self. So after the um, after the darkness and drama of a plane crash and a guy time traveling to kill his younger self... We have a little bit of brevity in the form of small potatoes, where a town becomes infested with newborns with
1: tails. My <laughs> golden hour of television. <laughs> no, no this, this is my favorite episode of the entire bunch. <laughs> this
0: is uh, Vince Gilligan plus Darren Morgan equals... <laughs>
1: yeah, I agree. They <laughs> are
2: oh, so don't good
0: don't at comedy. Holly, run with it.
1: Run with it? Um, I don't really. Uh, like I said, I'm just going to gush over this episode. Um, I'm, honestly, I'm like Amanda Milligan, but uh, the amount of times I've watched it, I can probably quote it, to be honest. Um, it's just fun. I mean, uh, it comes down to that. I mean, it, it takes away from the seriousness. You, you, like, you know, you still got the hooky doo science, and, you know, you got the moment where Scully just gets to roll her eyes yet and yet again. <laughs> but it, it's fun. And I mean,. Let's just face fact, every shipper at heart was just dying to see that moment, even though it wasn't right. It's good enough.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They're so good at comedy. I love it when when every now and then they they just throw in a comedy episode like that. And Vince Gilligan in particular, he's fantastic. His writing is just incredible. And he does such a good job. In this episode, and somebody else does a really, really good job. It's David. He is incredible when he yes. takes on Eddie's persona. Yes. It's just yes. he <laughs> is amazing. It's like he flips, and he is so good at this. I almost wish there were there would have been more like this and like like Dreamland too. This is this is brilliant. Yes. This is like David at his best. I think he's yes. really good. Yes. at comedy. Yeah. He's brilliant. Like, his face I, just I,
0: turns to rubber in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> He's impersonating Darren <laughs> Morgan. It's brilliant.
1: Like, I realize now, like, I was worshipping Vince Gilligan since even before I realized he had, like, written this episode. Like, I hadn't really put two and two together
2: at that age at the time that this was the guy I was worshipping. <laughs> <laughs> I think this one and Bad Blood are the best comedy episodes in this show. They
0: very good. Yeah, I've I've said before, Bad Blood. You know, I know it's cliche, but it, it's right up there in my top five, and I I think I would, it, I think X Cops probably in you know, yeah just sort of pushes over it into over this one in terms of my preference. But yeah, rewatching this one again, it's how can you not love this episode? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: okay, let's try and talk something. Not just gush over it, but let's try <laughs> talk a bit more constructively about this one. I don't know where to start.
1: <laughs> um, the extra vertebrating thing apparently does that does turn up in, in certain genetic groups
2: uh, in Europe, right? You caught me there because I actually don't know <laughs> because there 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 are different genetic markers for different areas. So, I mean, yes, uh, see, like um, a bit of research that
1: I do. Um, like, I do a bit of research on my ancestry and DNA and whatnot, and apparently there's a there might be a slight connection between having that trait and uh, being of RH negative blood. Hmm.
0: Huh.
2: Yeah, I don't know
0: that. I occasionally joke with my kids that, that we cut their tails off when they were younger.
2: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> but I don't think they've ever believed me, but I will keep well, making that well, joke. Well, you should
2: make them watch this episode and maybe they'll believe Yeah, you.
1: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think it would be possible, though, to have an entire muscle over your entire skin, basically, that, like, would just change? How would that even work by a lot?
0: Holly, meet the X-Files. (laughs) X-Files, Holly. (laughs) 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 Talking about, okay, talking about that, though, the whole autopsy bit where he breaks the tail off. Uh, It's just, ah, classic moment, which... Just the, you know, and he's playing Mulder right there as well. He's not even Eddie at that point. Just the, oh. the look on his face and it's great. Uh, it's just everything about this episode is just fun, and you know the 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 um the couples that go in for the fertility treatment. Those are just the sort of couples that Mulder and Scully then later impersonate in, in Arcadia. Yeah,
2: know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's the typical suburban couple. I love it when they, in the beginning, when they're, they they just meet her at the hospital and they actually think this is like a serious case. And they're <laughs> actually believing her. Then all of a sudden she starts talking all this Star Wars reference and, and they're just like, you can see it in Scully's face. She's like, oh, what am I doing here? <laughs> like, seriously, this cannot be my job.
0: Yeah, that's definitely the scene where you kind of see that, you know, in the later Vince Gilligan comedy episodes, you know, he's got it down. He's he knows exactly yeah. what he's doing. He knows his style, and it's all coming from the yeah. characters. This episode, I think, is him sort of picking up the torch from Darren Morgan, sort of yeah taking on a lot of you know the comedy stylings that had worked previously on the show. And that scene right there, where they're talking about this whole serious thing about. Was she abducted by aliens? Is this an alien baby? Yeah. It reminds me of the scene at the end of Jose Chung where he's talking about the Lava Men because it's a whole big serious speech and then it's just undercut by this completely random thing out of nowhere.
2: Yeah. I love that uh, she she starts with that talk about, like, he's not from this planet and that catches Mulder's attention because, you know, like, that's... why he's there. that's this his business that's his stuff. And then all of a sudden she just turns and she like goes all crazy and starts
1: his name is Luke Skywalker. Stuff. He's known as a Jedi Knight. <laughs> <laughs> he
2: was actually taking her seriously. And, and another thing to mention at the end of this episode and I don't know if you guys know about this or ever paid attention to, but the scene on the couch, if you pause it at the right time, you will see <laughs> that Scully has no pants. And you just. What? Uh, have you ever noticed that? She no. no pants?
1: Apparently, I missed the big. <laughs> like, how many <much laughs> times do I need to watch this episode before I catch <laughs> it <on>? all?
2: <laughs> right before she gets up, when the real molder gets to her door and the, the Eddie molder is leaning into her to kiss her. And like, and when she jumps up, when, when the real molder storms into the apartment and then it, she jumps up, you can see that she has no pants. <laughs> and you're just like, okay, Scully, seriously? <laughs> so like, let's see if was clutch there, dude. You have to, well, like okay you have, feel I it. Again. <laughs> okay, you have to go back and watch it in like really, really slow motion. Is she like and that when she, she opens looks.
0: the door though?
2: No, she's not. It can't be she's wearing black pants throughout the whole scene. And it's just this one tiny spot. It's when she jumps up from the couch. And you can see her bare legs. She has no pants. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, for that, it's like a, the split of a second, but she has no pants. And then it goes back. The scene goes back to another one. And I think somebody mentions something about why she had no pants. But I, I, I heard the story years ago. And I, I, for the life of me, I cannot remember why she has no pants. But there's an explanation. But I don't remember what it was. But yeah, like the, as soon as she gets up, you can see that she's already wearing pants.
1: So either you he got her pants off or you didn't. Don't know. <laughs> so it's just for one shot and then
0: they're back on again? It's
2: just for one shot when she jumps off the couch. That's that's the only time. Like if you go back and watch, you have to watch it in slow motion. So you're not can... gonna be, you're gonna make me do this right now, right? <laughs> you have have to wait until the end of this podcast. But go back and watch it. And watch it in slow motion. You have to watch it in slow motion to see it. But yeah, no pain. <laughs> okay. Um,
1: the Skinner bits. When they're sitting in the uh, in Skinner's office and he uh, catches the typos. Oh, yeah. That's a good scene. That was, I, I, I gotta say, like I said, David the company did, did a great job. That's all I gotta yeah. say. Right. That is yeah.
2: that is another really great scene. And it, it, it's, it's starting another pattern. And, like, whenever they're in trouble in like the comedy episodes they i I love that little scene because it's always the two of them talking to skinner and trying to come up with some really lame excuse about what happens and why they're there and what they're trying to explain
1: and that it's not luke skywalker
2: yeah i love those scenes too Okay. All I have to
1: say, every bottle of wine I've emptied in my life, I've always felt the need to hit the bottom of the bottle. It, totally tra- <laughs> it totally trained me to do that. And I mean, I'm not much of a drinker at all. But when there's a bottle of wine and I get to the
2: bottom, pack, pack, pack. Why not? Yeah, that's another really good thing about that episode. It's like, you you know, like, that's not Mulder. So his reaction, it, you know, it's, it's all Eddie. So you can't really take any of that seriously, but when you put yourself into Scully's perception of, of the whole thing, it's, you know, it's like, that's really, really Scully. So, like, she's, like, opening up to who she thinks is her partner, and saying all of the like telling him all these stories and everything, and she doesn't back away when he tries to oh. kiss her. He, he came across that
1: night, there is so very generally Normal. Like he wasn't off in one of his tangents. Yeah. It wasn't a conspiracy for once in her life. He was actually sitting
2: there and he wanted to listen to her. <laughs> I love and when the excused. It, it so I love that. Um I also love that Skelly's idea of Friday night fun is going home and reading medical journals.
1: <laughs> That's great. I love the letter jacket. I love the gray
0: shirt. <laughs> We talked about it on a, on a previous podcast. I forget which episode we were discussing, but she's doing it again where she's sitting on the floor when she has a perfectly
1: good couch right there.
2: Right. I I really sit
1: on the couch though. But, I yeah, I was
2: I was about to say that. Like I do that a lot. Yes, <laughs> it's comfortable. <laughs> I don't know. It, you know, like she's writing and she's it's reading a book. So you have to be at the same height level as the as the table to actually do any work. But she also has a perfectly fine desk and a dining room table. yeah. But that's true.
1: There's just something about getting on the floor, crossing your legs, like kind of cuddling up to what
2: you're doing on a Friday night. Why not? A medical journal. Why not? <laughs>
0: Okay, well, we were just talking about um, Scully's bare legs, let's go on to Zero Sum and talk about Skinner's <laughs> bare legs. <laughs> and I want, to, I want to give a shout out to Kaver because I was thinking of her throughout that entire sequence.
2: <laughs> it's so out of the blue. You know, it's the, like, the first time you watch and something totally unexpected and you're like, Whoa, Skinner is half naked. <laughs> nice job skin man
0: you know and and the obvious thing to talk about the direction of this episode is that you know it's Kim manners who did it so it's kind of like you know the whole bees killing somebody on the toilet is kind of like a callback to war of the coprophages with the cockroaches killing somebody on the toilet but no let's talk about the scene where he decided I'm gonna put the camera right down by your knees Mitch (laughs) and I'm just gonna angle it
2: yeah right at the right please (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> and uh yeah it's pretty much you know pretty much certain at this point you know last time we saw um Skinner in his apartment in Tunguska we were saying well is there a wedding ring still on there or is there not based on right. his activities in this episode I think it's pretty much set in stone that he is divorced at this point yeah
2: yeah I would have to agree with
0: that um but this is, you know, it's another Skinner-centric episode. So we get a lot of Skinner. Yeah. Um, we don't get any uh, Scully at all in this episode. We just have yeah. Mulder keeps coming in and bothering Skinner all the time. <laughs> you kind of get to see things from his point of view. That, And it's not even a normal work day for him where he's trying to actually put criminals away and he has Mulder coming in talking right. about aliens or goat suckers or something. <laughs> it, you know, he's actually doing something <laughs> which much more important to him than his normal everyday work and you know you kind of see it through his eyes you kind of get a little bit frustrated with Mulder Mm
2: -hmm. um,
0: because you know why he's doing what he's doing but um, it's an extraordinary um, brave thing for the exons to do Um, the first act the first 10 minutes of this episode there is virtually no dialogue after the teaser you have like a good solid seven or eight minutes of Skinner creeping around in the darkness, yeah. cleaning the toilets, burning the body without any sort of dialogue at all. You have to watch the show. You can't just have yeah. it on in the background while you're doing something else. You have yes. to sit down and pay attention.
2: And that, that shows a lot about how good Mitch is because... If he can carry on that much acting without any speaking whatsoever, and that scene is just brilliant. It's so intense. It's so powerful, and he's not saying anything at all. It's just he's just there doing stuff, and it's so intense. The other thing I really like about this episode is um, how you you see how not I I, I don't want to say desperate, but lack of a better word, I say desperate. Um, cancer man is about trying to fix things with the syndicate and you see how things are just going really badly for him and the syndicate and it starts with this and like he's trying to do everything he can to fix it and it's his relationship with the syndicate and it's it's i i love his participation in this episode Is it's, it's you see a lot of what's going on and what's going to happen in the future. Like it's kind of like a foreshadowing of what's going to happen later on. And
0: even in sort of the, the sort of um, power struggle between CSM and Skinner and that awesome that awesome bit in the parking lot where Skinner goes down and the car just accelerates towards him and he just yeah. puts his hands down on the bonnet right as yeah. you know right as it comes to a stop because he knows that they're not going to hit him. I mean. Yeah.
2: And I love that it's that cancer Man is not actually driving the car But yeah. that's that's how powerful he is. He has he can do that, but he's not the one behind the wheel But it's it's all him Yeah, I, I love that and I also love the scene at the end too when the two of them are up against each other It's it's great
0: I was thinking, you know, we've said a lot or I've said a lot about how the mythology stuff in season four you can see it building towards the movie because we know what the movie yeah. is at this point and between Tunguska Terma you have a lot of stuff about the black oil zero sum you have a lot about the bees and how they are being engineered yeah. to deliver smallpox because we know that the black oil is kind of like a smallpox like um infection they're saying everything you know these are all the bits of these are all the pieces that we need to understand what's going on and fight the future. So, I mean, after this, we, we have, we have some good mythology episodes, you know, you know, Geftemane and Redux and then yeah. with uh, patient X in season five, but I mean, we're just treading water at this point, aren't we? We've got everything that we need to dive straight into the movie at this point.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, um, I love the amount of mythology in season four. It's actually, it's it, there's a lot of mythology there, and it's great to see all that. And yeah, like you, I think that's a brilliance about this show too. Is like the most of the week episodes are fantastic, but if you want to watch just the mythology episodes, which I've done, it it's it's brilliant how the story just flows so nicely. It's it does shows how much the how how great the writing is for this show. It, it, if you watch the episode the mythology episodes back to back leading up to the movie. It's it's like you're watching a giant movie about aliens and it's really good.
0: Okay. Let's move on then to elegy. Um, which is um John Chyban written episode apparently the writers had um, one of their famous index cards up on the wall for quite some time before this that just said haunted bowling alley and this is the episode that it turned into it's probably not as strong as some of the as any of the other episodes that we've talked about so far tonight but it's one of those memorable season four episodes that I would put in the same sort of category as Enrue.
1: I love A
0: anyway. It's such a powerful episode. It, 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 do you see what I'm saying? It kind of sits alongside yeah. that. I don't know what it is about the two episodes, but they just seem to balance out each end of season four for me. You know, and it's not a real heavy episode. It's um, kind of a nice smaller story about ghosts and who can who amongst us is most likely to be able to see ghosts and connect with Um, people who have just passed over into death which those people who are still living who are maybe closest to death and you know there's some nice little moments in this episode um, but the big thing comes at the very end when Mulder sort of makes that deduction And Scully sort of realizes, well, hang on, I've seen a ghost, so am I very close to death? And, Mm -hmm. you know, that scene that comes earlier on in the episode, before she sort of figured that out, when she sees the ghost in the bathroom, Mm -hmm. is quite extraordinary in terms of a story and character point because Scully is always the one who gets knocked unconscious or is looking yeah. the other way when the aliens who are never running past anything. or something. Mm-hmm. And now she is on her own right in front of her. She sees this ghost appear and then disappear. And, uh, you know, it's no wonder that she ran away to the FBI psychologist at that point because yeah. it... it you know, even four years, even having worked on the X-Files for four years, she has seen nothing that sort of blatant right in front of her.
2: Right. Yeah, <clears throat> I love how they incorporate the mythology of her cancer into this episode, which is not mythology at all, but you, they bring little bits and bits of here and there.
0: Yeah, and that's um, kind of out of the norm for the X-Files because yeah. they rarely sort of address those continuing plot points you know we, we talked yeah. before about um how the order of episodes around leonard betts and never again and, and Kaddish or whatever goes on and
2: mm-hmm. you know
0: I, I think there's less of an argument for the need for Kaddish to be certain, seen in a certain order because that's what the exiles has always done they've had a big sort of character piece you know you know seismic shifts in something has happened to somebody in a big mythology episode and then the next episode, well, they're just going on doing their own thing. Uh, even in yeah. after Scully gets abducted and returned, you know, Firewalker, they have a brief mention of it or something. Yeah. Are you sure you're okay to go back to work? Oh yeah, I'm fine. And then it's just back to business as usual. So yeah, exactly. yeah. it's interesting. Season four, they touch on the, the whole cancer thing a number of times in Enruwe, Rue, uh, which is maybe one of the reasons why I'm sort of saying it. this balances out with that. Um, and of course land advance which then sets up momentum Mori.
1: right the um the episodes i found over time like um it, it they grew on the mythology yes but um when it comes to like just character points and whatnot it's like they started paying more attention to that stuff in and around season 4 and out it's like like you started to get a better picture of the characters and their personal storyline in itself it's like before that it was more episodic and like from mid season 4 out is when it starts to become serial and it's just within the characters themselves as well
2: yeah
0: okay so our final episode tonight is Demons which um, is the only episode that I think was written by um, Bob Goodwin Mm -hmm. who is the uh, executive producer up in Canada who is directing a lot more than he was writing yeah. and uh, this is the only episode that he wrote and it's one that it's a standalone mythology um Mulder wakes yeah. up in a motel room covered with somebody else's blood no idea of where he's been what he's been up to but he keeps having these Which... flashbacks to his childhood um samantha's there his parents are arguing and young cigarette smoking man is there
1: See, that would be the character mythology I'm referring to. Like, it's more character centric than it is
2: overall plotline. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right. And I, I honestly, I, I like demons. Demons is actually an episode that I'll go back and watch. Yeah, um, I,
2: I often rewatch that episode too.
1: Yeah, it, I I don't know. Maybe it's just Mulder in the shower. Maybe that keeps you coming back here and there along the way. But um. I mean, you have to understand, Mulder himself is like trying to retrieve these memories, and I guess that sometimes you'll go to like, certain lengths to do it. It's kind of extreme, but uh, the fact, you know, when you're left with no memory is probably not fun either, right?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah it's a nice cu- uh, counterpoint episode to, to um, Paper Hearts, which obviously okay, yeah. deals yeah. with yes. Samantha and that sort of loss again, and this may be... That is maybe what triggered him to want to go on and do what he does in this episode to try and get to the bottom of some memories and recover some forgotten memories. And of course, um, this is the episode where he goes and he confronts his mother um, about the whole relationship that she had with CSM, which was set up way back when, the end of season three.
1: Yeah. And that was like the most awkward moment for Scully ever. <laughs> she's just kind of standing there and she's like, yeah, where do I put myself? Should I leave? Should I cross the carpet?
0: <laughs> you can kind of see behind her eyes, she's kind of thinking, is this what you
1: felt like when uh, back in Wet Wired?" Right.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's <laughs> the letter jacket moment again, I'm sorry. Like I said, mm-hmm. season four was just, I don't know, just staring at David the Company probably just got me true. Yeah. <gasps>
2: <laughs> Yeah, I think David is is really, really
1: good in season four. You know, it's, by this time, uh, he is.
2: they, they are lovely. both so good. Like, and, yeah. Andrew,
1: honestly, like, uh, I'm not much to go on about the character traits and whatnot, but yes, I do have a bit of fetish over Mulder's hair. Like, apparently that's really important. And I gotta say, season four for me, especially towards the end of season four, that is the best style, in my opinion, he's ever had on the show and demons shows it off quite well it's that kind of like sloppy puppy dog look from the front and i just absolutely love it (laughs) it's my only odd obsession with the show though like i'll say it like i care less what they're wearing and whatnot as long as his hair is fine i'm okay
0: (laughs) yeah i remember demons has been you know a very impactful episode and one that, like you said, you know, it really delves into the character and you get a, set, a good sense of the mythology and things that may have happened through that episode. You know, and it's through the character. It's not just about the facts of what happened. And we get, you know, it kind of picks, it picks up a lot of the pieces that we've kind of had hints of before that um, that relationship between CSM and Mrs. Mulder and. Yeah, Having to make a choice
1: about... The one thing The one thing that seemed to be a little bit Too easy about it though was um, The fact that Mulder was just kind of Resigned to the fact Like he wasn't trying to find out He wasn't trying to push the investigation Forward you know what I mean
2: I don't know if it's because he He really Didn't know what was going on he had no clue He
1: because he, he, all all he the, knew He could he have done the orange it. Jumpers. Was in the orange jumper suit in this one right yes yeah, yeah. yeah I, that's what I'm saying I mean at that point there it's like it's like usually he's more adamant and in this episode he's not it's like he's more perceiving
2: it's like kind of more taking it in but I think that's because he he doesn't know what happened he doesn't remember any of it so he could have he for all I knew he could have been responsible for it so what if it turned out that he was? And then what? I think he was—he was afraid that he was going to turn out to be responsible for it. Yeah, that was probably.
0: I'm trying to put my finger on uh, some specific examples, but I can't. But there seems to be a, a few times where you have this—a um, bad character trait of Malda that he kind of does just seem resigned to give up almost on, on some yeah. occasions and this is one of those when he is arrested he just kind of accepts his fate and yeah all the fight just seems to drain out of him and i'm trying to think of other examples of, of where that maybe happens and
1: it ha- it's yes and I, you know what i think i got it it happens generally if it's in regards to scully especially in regards to her illness and it's a sister when he yeah. sees them going through stuff, or when he's trying to solve a problem involving those two, when he fails, that's where you see that defeatist attitude. You see it in Riddos.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll get onto that in a, lot, in a lot more depth. I mean, that's when. Maybe, maybe, that's, maybe that's why it's so magnified in this episode, is because of what happens next.
1: And it could be just, it could be, yeah, it could be like a character setting thing to make it more, like, make it more feeling like for what's coming up. I think maybe in the
0: truth, he you kind of see that side of him a little bit as well. Um, I mean, obviously, there's different aspects there and he wants his day in court. He wants to get heared, but you kind of get a sense of that resignation about him as well.
1: The Mulder emotion, but I, but obviously that's because he has to totally hide his emotions while he's in there.
2: Yeah, that's something he doesn't want when he gets arrested.
0: All right, so uh, let's put a pin in Demons. What's What should we take away from this episode? What's the big thing? What's the big point of Demons?
2: I think the conversation he has with his mother about her relationship with him. I think that that's a big turning point for Mulder. And the fact that Scully is behind him for every step of the way in all of this. So that, I think that's another thing that carries on for him a lot. Like, she jumped at it as soon as he called. She was the first person he called. So
0: yeah, and apparently she got up to uh, Rhode Island in record time as well. Yeah. I think it takes like, a <laughs> little,
2: little over an hour to get
0: up it. there from Washington.
2: Right, <laughs> That is pretty damn fast.
1: It's the express lane. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maybe she was carpooling.
0: Well, there's not much traffic that time of night. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> that sort of ties up our episode discussion. Let's move on to our quiz for tonight, so... Uh-oh. Same thing, that we normally do five questions. Whoever knows the answer, just jump right in. The first two questions are going to be from Tempus Fugit. I think they're actually both from Tempus Fugit rather than from one from Max. Question one, what is the name of the lake where the UFO crashed?
2: Oh, man, it's a really complicated name. I think it starts with a G. It does? Oh. <laughs>
0: And it's in uh, upstate New York. It is an actual lake.
2: Lake George. No. No, it's it's a it's a strange name. It's a long name too. I think. Oh. I don't think I'm gonna remember this. I, I just know that it starts with a G. Like, yeah I don't think I want to remember that
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is Great Sakandaka Lake
2: ah Sakandaka
0: Lake Sorry. okay so for around that same point in the episode um, Mulder is about to dive down into the lake and the guy asks him what his prior scuba diving experience is what, what is Mulder's response to that
1: he picked up a quarter, a quarter or some out. kind of tape yeah. at the bottom of a
2: piece. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Like he held this breath for like some however long time. Yeah. Trying to pick up a bottle at the bottom a quarter or something at the bottom of the yeah I can't I can't believe I know that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> See, I was thinking of the two questions. That's probably the one you both gonna get. the guy's like so what is your previous experience he's like well i one time picked a quarter off the bottom of the y pool
2: oh yeah the y pool (laughs) 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 this is even more pathetic because you know the like it could have been pretty deep but but
0: (laughs) okay question three in synchrony what is the name of the subatomic particles that make time travel possible?
1: Tachyons. He
0: it is.
1: Ah oh, good. Take the oh, Star Trek.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't get this one, Holly, I'm gonna be very upset. At the end of Small Potatoes, what does his hat say?
1: Superstar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm better at the trivia than I was at the actual episodes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just love the, that final shot as well after they've, after Mulder's spoken with him and they're walking away, you see yeah. another prisoner mopping the floor and he's got one of the stolen hats on. <laughs> okay, what was that, question four? All right, last one. Question five. Uh, this is the demon's question. What was Amy Cassandra's favorite subject to paint?
1: That building. <laughs> yeah. The white one.
0: <laughs> the, oh yeah, the white one, yeah. It is uh the white house where she grew up.
2: Oh yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah, I think we got what four of those? Well done. Alright, so um before we sign off, uh just want to say to all of the listeners out there to please go over to xfiles all of the show notes from each of the episodes are there, and you can also support the show by clicking on the Amazon affiliate link if you're going to be buying something off of Amazon. If you click there, a little bit of the money that you spend will come back and help support this show because it does cost money to put this show up and make it available for free for people to download every week. Uh, and you can also get in touch with me through there as well or on Twitter or Facebook. I'm David T. Howard on both of those. Uh, Holly, Trish, do you want to give out any of your social media stuff for people to contact you?
2: Yeah, um, people can contact us through Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr at X-Files News, Or yeah. just go to our website at XFilesNews.com.
0: All right. Well, that is it. Uh, next time around, we are going to be doing Getsamane through to Redux 2. Uh, so that free part story there uh thank you Holly thank you trish so much for coming along and being a part of this
2: and thank, thank you. you so much it was a pleasure
0: and uh, I want to say to both of you and to all of the listeners out there you're all superstars <laughs>
1: And flying saucers and ETs And government conspiracies But I've seen none of the about If I did, I think I probably would run a million miles Lose my little mind Synchrony, I don't really remember I remember like they needed to be frozen to go back in time When someone mentions, like, what subatomic particle is responsible for time travel?
2: (laughs) You jumped right on it!
1: (laughs) It's absolutely universal to science fiction! (laughs) That's like, that's like Doctor Who, Star Trek, Babylon 5, I mean, it's endless, you say the word tachyon, you're there.